welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. We have uh, distinguished Congressman Benny Thompson from the state of Mississippi, who's chair of the House Homeland Security Committee. And he also has uh, the state honor of chairing the January 6th insurrection, the attempt to overthrow the government. Remember that January 6th? I think a picture is worth a thousand words. And the more I see it, the more I appreciate what democracy is supposed to be about. So Congressman Benny Thompson, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're on the road and uh, I'd just like to have you just give our folks an update. I guess the most important thing happening right now is the fact if they're gonna be a bipartisan commission or is this gonna be Liz Cheney and the D's that's gonna be seeking the truth on what happened on January 6th. So how are you and welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Well, thank you very much, Brother Ryan. I'm happy to be on your program. I wish I could be uh, stationary, but when you got a district uh, the size of mine, you got to stay on the move. So, uh, as you know, uh, Congress passed HR 503, which is a resolution that created, excuse me, the, the 111 to 116 uh, commission. That commission brought Rye. Uh, created uh, 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 eight member, uh, five member uh, Republican commission to look at what happened on one six. Uh, the challenge for us is we have to do something. In America, uh, you can't let thugs uh, take over uh, government just because their candidate lost. And so even though we had negotiated a deal where uh, there would be five Republicans, five Democrats, uh, we'd share subpoena power, everything the Republicans said they wanted. At the end of uh, uh, the negotiation, uh, McCarthy said, McCarthy said uh, he was against it. So we can only get 35 Republicans. And now, uh, six weeks later, uh, the House approved H.R. 503, which will, uh, as a scope uh, of direction, our job will be to look at the circumstances and the facts uh, that allow January 6th to occur. Now, Brother White, there are all kinds of rumors and innuendos out there, but this commission is going to go as low and as high as it needs to to get to the bottom of not just what happened, but what we need to do to make sure that it never happens again. So we have seven Democrats and one Republican, uh, Liz Cheney, as you said, who now make up uh, the commission. I heard just about an hour ago that looks like the Republicans will be nominating uh, some people to come onto the committee. Now. The only thing I can say with that is uh, consistent with the resolution, uh, they will have uh, to be approved by the speaker. So some of those people they have over there who represent are not people uh, who we consider uh, reasonable. Uh, as you know, uh, we have representatives from Georgia, Arizona, Colorado, uh, some other places who go out of their business uh, to be racist, go out of their way uh, 
uh, to be homophobic, go out of their way to be divisive. Uh, this is a time for all right-thinking members of Congress to get this thing right. So uh, Speaker Pelosi said, I will review consistent with that resolution. Whoever comes on, if I don't think uh, they are representative uh, of this great country of ours, uh, they won't get on. Uh, but we moving forward. We have uh, a quorum of the commission. Uh, we met yesterday uh, to, to talk about how we want to go forward. Uh, I have been uh, selected as chair of, of this select committee. Uh, we have a budget. Uh, we're in the process of looking at staff uh, as well as office space. So we're moving uh, very quickly to get to the point of getting this done. I can assure uh, the people uh, on this call who are watching that nothing will be left to conjecture. Nothing will be left to innuendo. Uh, it will be a fact-based fact investigation. Uh, and we'll get to the bottom of who, what, where uh, was involved in the events of January 6th. Now, uh, Congressman, uh, I've heard, uh, you know, there's nothing, I don't have any facts, but do you think that uh, they will try to put people like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Jim Jordan, J-I-M or G-Y-M Jordan on, uh, on the commission? Well, uh, we've heard all of that. And, okay. uh, you know, it's the speaker's call. Uh, what we need is people who are interested in finding out what occurred. Now, if somebody tried to say what occurred on January 6th was uh, the equivalent of a tour of the Capitol, uh, we don't need those kind of folk on, on the commission. Uh, if if uh, we have a hearing scheduled uh, in two weeks, uh, Brother Ryan, we're going to bring the rank and file people on the Capitol Police uh, and let them tell us how they were called the N-word and everything else, if they were African-American, uh, how they were called traitors, uh, and a whole lot of other things. We're going to put it in the record. But we're going to also talk to the custodial staff. Uh, we're going to talk to the people who work in the restaurant, uh, who had to hide under the tables, who had to hide uh, in the kitchen, who had to hide in the walk-in freezer. Uh, when these hooligans uh, broke in. See, we haven't talked uh, to the people who work for a living in that building. So our first hearing will kind of set the tone that we care about you. We want to make sure that when you come and work at the United States Capitol, uh, it shouldn't be a potential death sentence because some crazies uh, have decided uh, in their mind that they wanted to stop the steal. So we'll set the predicate. Uh, we will hire the best investigators that we can find uh, to go to every nook and cranny to capture uh, all of the video that's available uh, so that we can make sure uh, that when we come with a final report of this select committee, we can prove every word of what's in that report. 
Now, one, one thing, I guess one of the things that's upsetting me is that I see where, for example, some of the people who were involved are being permitted to go to weddings and go on vacations. And I don't think Black Lives Matter would have been treated the same way if it hadn't been Black Lives Matter, but they wouldn't have made it to the Capitol anyway. Yeah, well, one of the reasons uh, we're going to ask the Capitol Police, were you instructed not to arrest any people uh, on January 6th? Uh, what kind of orders did you receive uh, as a Capitol policeman on that day? So we just need to find out. Uh, and and if, if you were told, do not arrest or harm any people who try to break into the Capitol, then we have a problem with that. Uh, as you know, we've already either had the resignation or the termination of our two sergeant at arms and the chief of police for the Capitol Police. But also, uh, Brother Ryan, we need to see what systems that we had in place that failed uh, the American people. Uh, we need to see whether or not we need to upgrade and we need to uh, fix what went wrong. So it will, it will be a deliberative process. It will be a process involving uh, just hundreds of witnesses uh, to get to the facts. But we are committed to getting it done, done and I look forward uh, to spending a lot of time. You know, uh, in spite of the challenges we have in America, uh, I don't know any other place for me that I'd want to be. So my job as chair is to fix it uh, so that uh, anybody else who might want to run for Congress or might have a legitimate tour of the Capitol, uh, <laughs> they can do it without fear of some group coming and creating problems uh, just because they're upset with what happened. Uh, Brother Ryan, we're not a... a a, a ten horn dictatorship. We're supposed to be the beacon of democracy uh, in the world. And, and when you look at those pictures you talked about, with those people climbing over the walls and breaking windows and and and, and just doing things that I never in my lifetime would have imagined uh, would have occurred, uh, we 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 have to fix it. Uh, I'm embarrassed, I'm upset that it went on, but I'm privileged as an American to be part of putting the remedy in place. And I guess uh, the other person, uh, I don't know if uh, the, the former president will be called forward because of the fact, apparently somebody gave an order not to dispatch the Maryland National Guard uh, I guess the, the mayor of Washington, D.C. didn't have the authority to call out the National Guard to protect the Capitol, but it peer, appears as though that uh, 45 was responsible for not having any reinforcements to come to help the Capitol Police. Well, uh, one of the things we're going to look at is what uh, systems uh, uh, at, on that day uh, worked, what didn't work, uh, but I can show everyone uh, uh, that has an opportunity to to look at this uh, Zoom call, 
that we will follow the facts. If the facts lead to the Pentagon, uh, we will interview people at the Pentagon. If the facts lead us uh, to the executive branch of the White House, uh, our plan is to interview wherever and whoever the facts tell us uh, we need to. Uh, the good thing is that members uh, none of us freaking out. Uh, they take the oath of office as being a member of Congress as something very serious. And because of that, uh, they want to get uh, to the facts. They want to make sure that what we produce as a found document is accurate uh, uh, in every respect. So I can assure people uh, this won't be uh, a milk toast, a whitewashed report. This will be a substantive report uh, that will uh, set the, the standard uh, for this country going forward. Well, Congressman, many times that I know that, okay, we lost you a minute, but I said I know that you are committed to, to finding the facts, and uh, I know you're going to be calling, and your committee will be calling up. Uh, a lot of folks that I've been talking to are just a little bit concerned that there might be a tip. I'm glad to hear you say that the speaker will make the decision whether or not a person can be on the committee because a lot of people are concerned with the Jim Jordans and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and a few other people like that who would just merely come in to uh, put everything in disarray and not accomplish anything. Well, uh, that's right. You know, we have uh, a decorum requirement for the committee. Uh, as chair, I plan to enforce it. Uh, if you uh, disagree, uh, I will allow you to make a motion. Uh, I'll allow you to talk uh, in defense of your motion, uh, and we'll put it to the vote. Uh, but if your motion is out of order, uh, I have no hesitation uh, to rule it out of order and, and, and move on with the business. Uh, we can't let temper tantrums get in the way of preserving our democracy. So now, when do you anticipate uh, the first hearing of the committee on the January 6th insurrection? It will be, uh, at this point, either the 21st or 22nd of July. Uh, it's about two weeks away. Uh, we uh, uh, clearly will identify, as I said, rank and file members of uh, the Capitol Police, members of the uh, custodial, uh, the, the people who uh, somehow have not been talked to uh, about what occurred on the insurrection, who work every day inside the United States Capitol. But the other thing we want to do with that is show our concern for their health and well-being. Uh, we have employees who have not been able to come back to work because of the trauma uh, that they endured on January 6th. So we're going to have to uh, know who they are and, and, and what their situations uh, are. And, and so we'll go forward with it. But I assure you, uh, we will take care of our employees. We will protect them. But in the pursuit of fixing the problem, uh, we will address it wherever the problem leads us. 
Well, you know, that's good to hear, uh, Congressman, that uh, that uh, that uh, we know it's going to be a thorough investigation and we know that uh, you're going to be on top of it. And we really do appreciate uh, uh, what, what you and the committee will do. And like I said, we were, our concern was is that uh, there might be a way to try to sabotage because we know how folks are doing and they do things and deny them and you and this time everything is caught on tape and i think that that's a blessing well you know there was some things that happened uh and, and you know when you are invited uh by the president of the united states to come to washington on january 6th it's going to be wild well that in itself uh sends a signal to a group of people in this country so we're concerned about that but we want to see if there were members of the Congress or other in individuals who also this misinformation about coming to Washington and see whether or not that misinformation enhanced what was going on uh, relative to January 6th. So we have a lot of information. We want to know whether or not members of Congress gave tours to some of the people uh, to show them where Nancy Pelosi's office would be. We want to know if, if those tours showed them where members of Congress uh, would be. Well, we have a, a, and certified, but if you uh, somehow you, you are complicit also. Absolutely. Now, I know there's one member of Congress, uh, I don't know her name, but she said she actually saw uh, members of Congress giving these people some tours when because of COVID, there wasn't anybody outside of the people that worked there or the members who were actually walking around the facility at that time. So I guess there's been some documentation. Hopefully that member of Congress will be brought uh, before the panel uh, so she can give her testimony about what she actually saw and witnessed as tours were being given. Well, we'll talk to everybody, uh, but I'm about to get into an area where I don't have okay. any coverage for the ride. So, okay, I understand. Well, Congressman, many times we appreciate you and all the work you're doing, uh, bringing truth to the people and making sure there's accountability uh, uh, from the people who are responsible for the mayhem, the insurrection, the attempt to overthrow the United States government. And as you said, we would be losing you, and I think we have at that point. But I really do thank you for taking the time to, for our listeners and to see hear firsthand from the chair of the committee, of the special committee that's going to be overlooking, looking into what happened on January 6th with the insurrection that was inspired by, sanctioned by uh, former President Donald J. Trump. He had not given up the White House as yet. That was January 6th. Uh, he did not uh, leave until the 21st. Uh, I think we have uh, uh, Bill Dickens on. Is uh, Bill along with us? Yes, right here, Eddie. Okay, sir. Hey, uh, Bill Dickens is chair of the the Economic Development Committee for the Tacoma Pierce County Black Elective. He's an economist. And Bill, I had to put your model on Facebook because that's really, uh, 
identifies that that's that's you <laughs> so uh, but, uh i wanted to get you on with congressman thompson but he ran into a difficult area and i want to let people know he was not driving and, and zooming at the same time as you notice he was sitting in the passenger seat but at mississippi delta there's one thing about congressman the late julian bond told me once that uh you know he and uh congressman benny thompson were uh, in snick at the same time student nonviolent coordinating committee and julian bond said Benny Thompson had the most dangerous job in SNCC, registering people to vote in the Mississippi Delta while people with shotguns and the Klan and some, some people with, with the, the sheriff's office would be looking to bump him off. But he made it as now a member of Congress. Uh -huh. But uh, Bill Dickens, why don't you just take a couple of minutes and share with our listeners a little bit about your background before we talk about uh, the Economic Development Committee of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much uh, for extending the invitation for me to uh, have a chance to uh, chat uh, with both you and your listeners. Um, uh, I am uh, currently uh, involved in uh, my work uh, in the field of uh, economics, uh, and my, my primary focus is, has been in terms of looking at energy economics here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, but I, I do uh, write and do research in other areas of economics, particularly uh, economics that impact on uh, people of color uh, in this country because racial economic inequality uh, is, is the number one economic problem uh, that we face. Uh, and uh, we have to have uh, smart thinking, smart technologies uh, that target inequality and can work to reduce it so that uh, all people have the same opportunity to participate in the economic prosperity that exists in this country. And that's what I'm uh, dedicated and, and committed to. So in terms of your work with the uh, shareholders, first of all, the Black Elective, Tom Pierce County Black Elective has been around for 51 years or more. And uh, there, it's made up by citizens like yourself who have an interest in uplifting the black community making sure that we're engaged in uh, civic engagement and the political process. So and as you ch are chair of uh, the Economic Development Committee, we know that there are Education Committee, a Way Forward Committee, various committees uh, led by various esteemed people. But uh, share with our listeners a little bit about the scope of work and the goals of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Elective Economic uh, uh, Development Committee. Uh, sure. So uh, uh, the committee that I chair that you just uh, described uh, is focused on uh, making sure that uh, the, the relevant uh, information uh, gets into the hands of people of color, uh, black and brown communities in Tacoma, Pierce County, uh, so that we can be a part uh, of the economic renaissance that we're witnessing. Uh, too often uh, we've witnessed uh, policy changes uh, that have resulted in excluding blacks from economic prosperity. The focus of this committee is to reverse that uh, and to uh, make sure uh, that everybody has the equal opportunity uh, so that we can all uh, participate and also uh, sustain our position in the areas of uh, black business development, 
uh, economic policy uh, and and local economic growth uh, here in uh, uh, South Sound uh, because uh, that's 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 where we need our energies directed at because economics is the number one issue and and I'm committed to making sure that our committee uh, keeps that on the radar. And in terms of uh, uh, your objectives, in terms of your work with local government, private sector, how do you accomplish that objective? Well, uh, well we have a uh, comprehensive um, strategy in, in which in, in order to uh, uh, make sure that people are aware of these opportunities, uh, that we have to work very closely uh, with state, uh, local officials, uh, on the on the policy front, and also with uh, uh, pri- private and nonprofit uh, uh, organizations uh, on the uh, on the business uh, front. So, uh, the, the, uh, all of those entities play play an important role, and I just uh, want to make sure uh, uh, that uh, black black businesses and black consumers. Black investors are, are not being excluded uh, for uh, what I see as opportunities that exist. Well, Bill, you know, I messed up today. I gave you the wrong numbers. I'm going to have to have you back on because I, I messed up by not g- giving you incorrect numbers. So uh, I, I, I want to have fun. you come back. I want to have you come back so we can go into more details. But the people you mentioned you need to work with seem like you were talking about the membership of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Elected. We started talking about elected officials, uh, the nonprofit drivers like uh, Donnie, uh, Donna uh, Popentine, uh, I can't pronounce the last name, for yeah. United Way of Pinto of, uh, yeah. and others. Uh, and uh, Dr. Uh, you know, we just have a, a plethora of uh, folks in the collective that are doing great things. And uh, so I'm going to have to have you back on because I screwed up by giving you the wrong numbers. But anyway, you're doing an outstanding job. Uh, uh, but I'm going to have to have you back on. I'm going to go into more detail with you, okay? Well, we're very good. And uh, I do, again, want to thank you for all your work that you did in helping uh, to secure the passage of HB uh, 1259 because that was a very important uh, legislative bill uh, that I, I believe will you know, point us in the right direction in terms of promoting and advancing uh, black businesses, uh, even the small works roster uh, here in the state of Washington. So, Eddie, uh, thank you for your, your your efforts and your work with that. All right, Chairman Dickens, we appreciate you. So we'll have you back on because you have a lot of information to dispense to our listening audience. So thank you, sir. Uh, anytime. Have a great day. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Eric, we'll take a break and come back with uh, Congresswoman... Pramila Jayapal after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. 
Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Eddie Ryan back with Harry Jammin with the tunes. Uh, my next guest is Congresswoman Premila Jayapal. She represents the 7th Congressional District, uh, covers most of Seattle, and she's also the distinguished chair of the Congressional uh, uh, Congressional Progressive Caucus. Progressive Caucus. That's right. The very, very, very significant caucus that's holding people accountable and making sure that some folks don't get left out. And uh, so I'm proud that she's my friend. She's been doing a good job back there, and you see her all the time. And uh, right before you, uh, Congressman, we had uh, Congressman uh, uh, Benny Thompson on, uh, the chair of the Homeland Security Committee, talking about the January 6th hearing. And yeah. uh, you were uh, you were all over TV during that insurrection, and. Uh, I, you, know, I mean, you know, I know you're doing a lot of other things, but I really would like to have you comment on that first. But first of all, I want you to say whatever you want to say to my listening audience, and then let's go there. <laughs> well, Eddie, it's so great to be on with you and to be able to have a few minutes to talk about all the many, many, many things we're doing. And yes, the Congressional Progressive Caucus is the largest caucus in the House of Representatives. We have 96 members um, and uh, it is a very, very diverse caucus, and as you said, we're always fighting for the people that are too often left behind to make sure that they're at the table and getting the, uh, all the necessary things that people need to have a, a good, decent life and livelihood. So, um, you know, January 6th, I'm so glad Benny Thompson is leading that select committee that was set up by the speaker to really get accountability on January 6th. Um, I, as you said, was in the gallery. I was trapped in the gallery. I was one of a couple of dozen members of Congress that were in the, the gallery, which for people who don't know the Capitol is the part that overlooks the House floor. And because of COVID, there were only a few people that were allowed in the gallery and a few people that were allowed on the House floor. And I was one of the people that was in the gallery and so um, when everything happened, the members, most of the members on the House floor were all taken off. All of them were 
And those of us that were left in the gallery were stuck there, and there's only about 15 feet between the doors to the gallery and the the very edge of the gallery that overlooks the house floor. And um, it was terrifying. Um, insurrectionists pounding at the door. We will never forget that, and we will never forget the way in which the Capitol experienced the worst assault on the United States Capitol since the War of 1812. We will never forget the Confederate flags that were raised for people of color, um, for black people and brown people, you know, to see the racism, the white supremacy, um, and the, uh, the perpetuation of the big lie that the election was stolen was horrifying. And I think we came incredibly close to losing our democracy. And so that's why this select committee, it was supposed to be a bipartisan commission, just like we did after 9-11, Eddie. But the Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Senate wouldn't agree to it, even though it was crafted in a bipartisan way by Benny Thompson and the ranking member of the Homeland Security Committee. But they wouldn't vote for it. Um, they wouldn't even acknowledge that January 6th was real, that our democracy faced a real threat, that Capitol Police officers were killed, that so many people were injure, injured. Um, they wouldn't acknowledge any of it. So our next best choice was to set up a select committee. And so that will now be underway. And hopefully uh, Congressman Thompson will be able to really direct the kind of attention and energy to get accountability for what happened that day, who was responsible, and how we can ensure that it never happens again. Yeah, because it was kind of ironic to see this uh, on live TV and not have any reinforcements come in. And yeah. I guess uh, Governor Hogan of uh, Maryland said he was sitting by with the Maryland National Guard but didn't get clearance from the, from, from the Defense Department. So hopefully those days are behind us. That's right. And, you know, and we know that the former president was part and parcel of this. That's why the House voted to impeach. That's why we got more bipartisan votes for his conviction and, and removal, removal than we ever have before. But the threshold, as you know, for removing a president is very, very high. And we did not get to that. But um, but there's no question in my mind and in the minds of many of us that there were people on the inside that were a part of this that the direction for the National Guard to not come in was very much being controlled um, from the very top. And it's just, a, it's, it's difficult, Eddie, to even um, conceive of uh, this being the United States of America. And, you know, Congressman Thompson has a lawsuit with the NAACP, um, and I am a part of that lawsuit uh, around uh, it was, it's filed against Donald Trump and against the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. So we are trying to attack this from many different angles, but there's no question that Congress needs to have this select committee investigate fully and really be able to assess um, and put out to the American people exactly what happened and how it's never going to happen again. Yeah. I want to switch gear and talk about uh, where are we with uh the, uh, uh, I guess the John Lewis, the voting rights bill, and how close are we really to seeing something with the infrastructure? Yeah. Well, the House um, has, 
passed the H.R. 1, which is the other bill that John Lewis wrote, the For the People Act, um, that includes many of the provisions that would stop all of the Republican attempts to suppress and intimidate voters and prevent uh, people from voting. And so the two bills go together, H.R. 1 and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Both of them, as I said, were written by John Lewis, uh, but one bears his name. The John Lewis Voting Rights Act, we have not yet passed in the House because there has been a real attempt to be sure that we are capturing everything that needs to be captured since we know that this will probably get a court challenge as soon as we pass it. So the hope is to be able to pass that quickly, but we do want to get it right. Um, We passed it, of course, last year, last term. And the real question now, Eddie, is around the Senate and the filibuster, because we know we're not going to get 60 votes for these bills because Republicans have committed themselves to being the party that just suppresses the vote, does not try to ensure that everybody has the right to vote. And so if this, if these bills are going to pass, it is not going to be with a 60-vote majority, which means we have to either eliminate or reform the filibuster. You know, I went back and looked at the major civil rights bills that passed from, I think it was 1860 to 1892, um, and of the 10 that passed, nine of them passed with partisan support. Um, at that time, of course, the parties were switched, but it, they were not bipartisan bills because voting is often something that one party uses to try to suppress the vote. And so my firm belief is that we might get one or two conscientious Republicans who still believe in uh, our democracy and the right of people to vote. But the reality is, unless we reform the filibuster, um, which is a Jim Crow legacy that was used to stop civil rights legislation from moving forward, we are not going to be able to pass these. So our efforts have been around convincing the Senate that they need to reform the filibuster, and then, of course, convincing all 50 Democratic senators that they need to vote um, to reform the filibuster if they want to protect voting rights. Because at the end of the day, Eddie, it's the filibuster or it's voting rights. That's just how exactly. It is. There was a I saw an interview recently in 1963 with Martin Luther King Jr. saying the very same thing. The filibuster yeah. is just a Jim Crow tool to deny people at that time, black people, uh, Negroes, as he said, uh, the right to vote and that right. To, uh, and also uh, a way to oppose any rights uh, that uh, those folks wanted to control. So but uh, Congresswoman Priyamela Jayapal. I am uh, happy to, and proud of the work that you're doing back there, keeping it real and making sure that the needs of the people are uh, first and foremost in your legislative agenda and priorities. And I appreciate you for it. I'd like to have you come back on because uh, we know uh, uh, we got a good representative from Seattle making sure that uh, our rights are being protected and we have a good, great advocate. So we do well, appreciate you. Thank you so much, Eddie. I'll I'll come back anytime. And you asked me about infrastructure. I didn't get to talk about it, but the Jobs and Families Plan, we are pushing hard for that because we believe everyone needs to have opportunity, child care, long-term care, Medicare expansion, uh, a path to citizenship for essential workers, housing, uh, and bold climate action. Those are the priorities of the Progressive Caucus. 
in this next package. We need to make a once-in-a-generation investment in our people, and we need to take on racial inequity and injustice that um, came to light during the COVID crisis. So you can bet I'm going to be fighting for all of that and so grateful for you, Eddie, for just getting this information out. And when you have the next opportunity you have, we want you to come back on and talk about that some more, okay? To go into some That's more details great. about those last four issues. So thank you very much, Congresswoman Priya Melajaya Paul. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Take care. Okay. All right, uh, Eric, we're going to take a break and come back with the president of Tacoma NAACP, Jonathan Johnson. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Wright back at Urban Forum Northwest. My next guest is Jonathan Johnson, the distinguished president of the Tacoma branch of the NAACP. As you know, their annual virtual meeting is underway right now. Things started with the Axel competition. But welcome back to Urban Forum Northwest once again, Mr. John, President Johnson. I uh, want to give our folks a quick update on what's happening at the Tacoma branch and also what can they see? I guess the virtual conference, uh, members can log in. So we'd like to have that information from you as well. Thank you, Eddie. This is uh, this is uh, really a, a treat. I mean, hearing uh, uh, Representative Jaipal provide a, a great discussion about what's happening in the Capitol. And then to, you know, I didn't get a chance to hear all of uh, your guests today, but this is a very important time. In fact, I almost feel like I'm at the Black Collective because uh, the, the importance of community and bringing together people on important issues is essential. Uh, I uh, did get a chance to register for the national uh, conference. Uh, in fact, it is such a very powerful event. 
last year, I was really moved by what the the uh, AXO Council and the AXO uh, competitions provided, but opportunities for young people to demonstrate skills that they've been developing over their lives. And to have adults that believe in them makes a difference when they start to make uh, the name for themselves that they will follow for the rest of their lives. So I'm, I'm really impressed with uh, the way that uh, the NAACP had to move uh, into the virtual space. They've done an excellent job in providing the resources so that we can go to the website, register as uh, any person who wants to join the session. And once registered, uh, you can select from the menu the various items that are uh, available for a presentation. And it's as, sim as simple as that. Uh, our delegates will get a chance to, to vote later, but uh, those that are our delegates get a chance to vote just as if they were in the room. So this is, this is a great opportunity. As you can see, we are having the opportunity to be more engaged because of COVID than we would have been having, having to travel cross-country, go to L.A. Uh, we will miss those great opportunities to meet people face-to-face but some of the learnings, the uh, opportunities to engage people in important conversations is something that I'm just very moved with. And uh, it's a very powerful op opportunity, and I'm glad that uh, you asked about that today. Now, uh, <clears throat> the actual uh, conference, how do people, uh, and is it for members only? And I encourage anybody to call me about any civil rights or discrimination issues join join the NAACP. But uh, do you have information about how people can access the workshops or any activities that are a required registration? What is the process and procedure for participating in the virtual NAACP annual conference? There, there is required registration. And when you go to the to the national NAACP webpage, all I have to do is do a search for NAACP, and you find the link for their national conference. Uh, you follow through that link, and if you register, if you are a member and have an account created, you can just log on using your account. Uh, you can create an account if you haven't done so. Uh, but once your account is created, then you can populate your your own agenda create your agenda based on the items that are on the list. So it's a, it's a very good opportunity to see, uh, you know, I saw some of the people and, and I have to be proud because uh, I'm from New Mexico. And one of the young men that won last year was from New Mexico and a black man from New Mexico, seeing a black man from New Mexico win. I was very, you know, I was very proud of that. And it's good to be able to see that uh, the NAACP does cover not just the urban areas, uh, but also those areas that uh, have a, a few of us, and in many cases, just a few of us. But it's a very important thing for us to, to be able to participate. And, but when young people are showing what they're capable of doing and others see what they're capable of doing, it motivates us to do better. And I think that uh, anyone who wants to can log on. Uh, but as I indicated, those people who are delegates, they have some other requirements to fill out, but they will be, a, be able to join the conference and be all, also, also a part of the business meetings that 
uh, will be coming up for the various regions uh, of the NAACP. People, how can people access information uh, about the Tacoma branch of the NAACP for memberships and other information? Oh, okay, great, yes. Uh, the memberships for the NAACP, you can go to our website and it will give you a link to either the national website or uh, you can send you can send an email if you're interested and we can get you a membership from the local branch. And the advantages of getting the membership from the local branch is as soon as our secretary has your membership form and your check, then you are a member. Uh, if it goes through the national headquarters, it has to go through the, the, the system of making it through the various wickets. Uh, and eventually it will get here sometimes 60 to 90 days later. Uh, so we encourage those that are interested to, you know, just go to our site and send us an email with your return email address, and we'll send you a form so you can get your membership. If you want to use a credit card or debit card, you can go through the national uh, national uh, membership form, fill that out, make sure you include the uh, Tacoma branch if that's who you want to join. You can also join with other branches, uh, depending on who you want to affiliate with. But once you're a member, then you have the possibility of joining our meetings. We have our meetings on the fourth Monday each month. Uh, we have all of our work done through committees and our committees. You know, we always need volunteers who bring their skill set. Uh, it is a volunteer organization. We, absolutely. It's all volunteer. In fact, the Chairman, only people who I, I see our president, Chairman Randy Payne, consistently reminds people, uh, if you if you want to complain, pick you up a piece of work and come with us. It's a volunteer organization. But anyway, President Jonathan Johnson, we do have to go today. But uh, you'll be a regular on here because you're involved with civil rights and have important information for my listening audience. So thank you very much today. And we might be checking with you in a week or so to, uh, to get an update on how the actual annual conference went. So thank you very much, sir. We appreciate you. Thank you, Eddie. This is my pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're going to be, before we go to, to uh, Kevin Henry, I want to let people know that I want to thank the City of Seattle Purchasing Construction Services Office with Liz, Liz Alzier, with Carol Wong, with Mark and Jesse, Sound Transit, uh, Leslie Jones, Joan A. Robinson, Donna Phillips, Chris Elwell, and the gang. And at Port Seattle, uh, the Diversity Contracting Office with me and Rice. Stephanie Ogle does our technology. And we also want to thank our friends out at SeaTac, Concourse Concessions, Dave Fukuhara, the two Desert Storm veterans that own SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. And that's uh, Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsett. And I hope we have Kevin Henry on the line. Hello. Kevin Henry. Yes, okay, buddy. Right. Yeah, we. this is the NAACP day, I do believe. We just got off the phone with Jonathan Johnson, president of Tacoma Branch. Yeah, uh, we we're had, on a roll here. Thanks for having okay. me on. Okay, so we got about two and a half minutes. Okay, I'll you talk doing fast. the NAACP health care form. Just okay. fast, so make sure we... Yeah, ahead, here's, here's the deal. So on Saturday from 9.30 to 12, we are having a health webinar panel discussion. We've got a great list of speakers. We're going to be talking about the connection between racism and trauma, substance abuse, how Medicare and uh, Medicaid work. We're going to talk about community farming with our speakers. We'll have a Q&A period. And if people want to RSVP and get the Zoom link, they can just email me at kevin.henry at sound.health 
or they can call me at area code 206-536-6103. And this is a very timely uh, series of topics that we're going to cover because in the last year and a half, uh, the rates of depression, domestic violence, substance abuse, anxiety, they've all gone through the roof. So these experts are going to talk about how you can address some of these issues and get the kind of treatment and care that you need. But that's great. Who are some of the uh, key players you're going to have on the agenda to deal with these issues? Yeah, sure. We're going to have uh, Professor Astia Lightfoot from Tulane University talking about racism and trauma. Ryan Lindsay from Sound uh, talking about substance abuse. Dr. Nancy Fisher uh, for the Center of Medicare and Medicaid Services. Uh, James Donaldson is going to be talking about his bout and uh, how he overcame depression in the new book that he wrote about. Uh, wrote about that episode of his life, and also Hannah Wilson from the Black Farmers Collective will be there as well. And uh, and and this is being sponsored by our Seattle uh, uh, King County branch of the NAACP. That's right. Okay. So now, now when did you join the health committee? Um, oh, about six or seven uh, months ago. Yeah, I'm one of the co-chairs along with Mike Swan. So we do these things every two or three months where we, you know, they've been online because of COVID. Hopefully we can do them in person, yeah. but we really try yeah. to focus on a lot of health issues. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I'm just a little bit concerned now. Uh, you know, I guess, well, I, don't, I wouldn't go to uh, some southern states right now mm-hmm. because of the people who want to get vaccinated. And they got this new Delta virus out now, mm-hmm. and which is a lot, lot more uh, transmittable. And that's even some questions now, whether or not the two shots that you got to COVID, uh, the alpha, uh, will defend against this new virus. So we're hoping that that's not the case. But Kevin, thank you very much, man. We appreciate all the work you've done. Yes, and thank it you. didn't take you long to get busy after you got back here from Hawaii. I, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it sure <laughs> did. You're right about that. Thanks a lot, okay. Eddie. And uh, thanks to your listening audience for giving me some time. Appreciate it. Okay, my brother. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. And be- okay, Bye-bye. before we go, I just want to make sure that you uh, check out this week's Seattle Media. Uh, Dr. Carl Mack is on the front page. He has a new partnership uh, through uh, Google Assist. Uh, you know, he came up with these uh, Black History calendars, like he said, over 30 years ago. And now they're going to be accessible through Google. And I think that's real good and educational because a whole bunch of people need to go and uh check out our black history so you can stop talking about teaching critical race theory all we're talking about is teaching the truth about what happened to black folks in america okay this has been eddie rye once again with urban forum northwest want to thank eric for handling the music and all the technical issues uh we'll be back back with you again next thursday thank you very much